Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that he is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I'm Persuaded podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and the episodes in the past couple of weeks, and I truly do appreciate that. I appreciate the encouragement. I've received text messages and personal just conversations of how they've encouraged you, and that is my prayer. And I'm so grateful for those conversations, and I'm so thankful for the episodes being an encouragement and hopefully a help in your Christian journey. And so I do appreciate that. I'm recording this podcast on Thursday before we celebrate Easter this coming Sunday. And so this week is the Easter week. And so I've been looking forward to Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna. I thought it would be very fitting to look at John chapter 19, a little bit of Matthew chapter 27, and recall one of the saddest days in all of history, but one of the days that we as Christians mourn, but also we must be immensely thankful for, for what Christ accomplished on these last few days. Right now, 2,000 years ago, almost to the day, most likely, Jesus Christ was preparing for his death, his earthly death. He was spending his last and final days with his disciples, making sure they knew exactly what to do after he was gone. He was giving them final instruction on how to live their life and what their mission was going to be. And he had an eventful week leading up to what I believe the crucifixion day, either Thursday or Friday. And his week started off on Sunday when he had a very triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. We call that Palm Sunday because people were waving palm branches and calling him the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Interesting enough that when a king would make an entrance, he would use a donkey. He would ride a donkey. But when he was going to war, he rode on a horse. And so Christ going to his death, uh, entering that week, he rode in as the king of kings and the Lord of lords that will conquer death, hell, and the grave for all of mankind. And he rode in on a donkey. But when he returns in the second coming, he will ride a horse for that is the battle of Armageddon. He's a king that's triumphant that's going into battle at his second comings after christ rides the donkey into jerusalem and after palm sunday he spends the night in bethany then on monday of that week the next morning he leaves bethany he curses the fig tree he weeps over jerusalem because they had such blinders on their eyes that they could not see who christ was and who he is and he also on that day he throws the money changers out of the temple and so christ literally cleaned house in the temple and then he returns back to Bethany. Then on Tuesday, he's betrayed by one of his own Judas. He gives the Olivet Discourse and he's on his way back to Bethany. Wednesday is what's called the Silent Day. The Gospels do not record a single thing that Christ did on Wednesday. Most likely, he's just resting and preparing for the end of the week. Then Thursday or Wednesday night, uh, most likely Thursday, Christ has the Last Supper with his disciples. He washes their feet, even Judas's feet. Judas then leaves. Then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and agonize with the Father. Peter also betrays Jesus on this day. And then we pick up in John chapter 19. And so that is Friday of the last week, what we call Friday, which would be crucifixion day for Jesus. And it's just an awful day. It's one of the most sad stories in all of Scripture that we read about. And so It's the last day of the final week of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, and that is where I want to pick up here in this podcast and hopefully help some people realize what exactly Jesus Christ went through 
just for you. And so we often say that Christ suffered. And so we all would say, well, Christ, yeah, he suffered for me. Christ, he went through a great deal of pain for me. But a lot of people don't actually know what the crucifixion and what Jesus actually went through on Friday of his last week in his earthly ministry. And my prayer through this episode is to instill a humble and grateful heart in you as a believer so that you understand fully what Christ did for you so that you can appreciate his sacrifice that much more. And my prayer is that you live a more sold out and committed life to him, seeing what great links he went to to save you. So here in John chapter 19, the first thing that comes out to us is we see the scourging of Jesus, the scourging of of Jesus. Verse number one of chapter 19, we could read a lot of verses here, but verse one says, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Verse 1 of John 19 says that Pilate took Jesus to be scourged. Now, John does not go into great detail about the scourging because his original readers would have known far too well exactly what John was referring to. It was an awful and wicked practice that was adopted by the Romans in the time of our Lord. And they did not invent the crucifixion, but they simply added on the scourging aspect of it to make it just that much more painful. And so they would scourge and then crucify anyone that they wanted to, which is awful. And it's an awful thing. But here our Lord and Savior is having to be scourged. But before the scourging, Christ is tried before many different people and Pilate over and over says, I find no fault in him. And I want to draw your attention to Jewish law and Jewish tradition in the Old Testament. And we know what took place in the Old Testament. For the covering of sins, the people of God were required to take an animal sacrifice to the temple and find forgiveness for their sins. They would have to take a sacrifice, lay it on the altar, and give that to God for the covering of their sins. Then once a year, the high priest, they would have to take a spotless lamb and offer the sacrifice for the temple and for the nation. And they would do that once a year. And so there were people whose jobs were literally to stand in the fields and watch lambs be born and so that they could find what they thought was a spotless lamb. And when they would find a babe or a a baby lamb that looked spotless, they would wrap him in swaddling clothes, they would lay him in a manger, and then someone would have to come in authority and look this lamb over, and once they would look it over, if they found fault in him, it could not be a sacrificial lamb. But if they deemed this lamb as spotless or perfect, they would wash their hands and then say, I find no fault in him. And so then that lamb was able to be the sacrifice for the nation for that year. And John the Baptist, if we remember early on in the, in the Gospels, John the Baptist calls Christ the Lamb of God, which would take away the sins of the world. And we know from reading the Gospels what actually happened at the birth of Jesus. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in a manger. And then he lived a sinless life. And he was called the sacrificial lamb of God. And now in John 18 and 19, he's standing before those who are in authority. And over and over again, Pilate makes the claim, I find no fault in him. The last part of verse 6, and they are yelling to crucify him. It says, for I find no fault in him. Proving, in fact, that Christ was the perfect lamb of God. That Christ would be this perfect sacrificial lamb. But even though they found no fault, he still had to be the sacrifice for mankind for the remission of sins. So after the trials, he went to be scourged. And so some of you might be thinking, well, what exactly is a scourging? And what exactly does all of that entail? And to the best of my ability, without trying to be too graphic and too gory, I want to depict to you the suffering that Jesus actually 
went through on this day. And I want you to understand, number one, my words can never describe to you exactly how bad this was. My vocabulary could never draw the picture in your mind exactly what Jesus went through on this day. But my prayer is just to help you and I understand exactly on a small scale what Jesus went through. So we can just say, when we say he suffered, we know in our mind exactly how much he suffered and what he went through all to save you and I. We can imagine ourselves having to be in this situation because that's where our sin should place us. But Christ and his righteousness and his love took our place. And so let's just think through this podcast for the next few minutes about our relationship with Jesus on a very personal level and just hopefully bring that into question today. So for the scourging, they would take the criminal, or in our case, Jesus, they would walk them out to a designated spot in the city where there is a large pole or a a post with chains coming off of it. This is called the scourging post. They would take the victim, or Jesus, to the post. They would strip them of their clothes for complete humiliation, and they would have them be hunched over this post, tied to it, chained to it, so that their back muscles are tight and taut and stretched. They would then take a weapon or a torture device, really, called a cat of nine tails. And this weapon, it was made of a wooden stick or a leather handle with nine strands of leather coming off of it. On each end of the leather would be fragments of bone, glass, and metal. And two Roman guards would stand on either side of the victim and begin swinging the cat of nine tails as hard as they could at the victim on the scourging post. It has been said in most of my research that the guards would take at least 40 whips on each side using this weapon and oftentimes they would play a cruel game to see who could rip off the most flesh and who could hit the hardest and so this torture device was meant to cause as much pain as possible and some most people died right there on the scourging post if not they went into complete shock because the pain was so unbearable the weapon would hit the back of the victim or in our case remember innocent Jesus and as the rock would bruise the back the glass and metal would penetrate the skin, literally ripping off flesh. And to not be too gory, but they claim when someone would get off of the scourging post, you could see their lungs exposed. They had been beaten that badly. Now imagine Jesus, who was completely innocent. No one deserved this type of torture, but especially not the righteous Son of God. Especially not Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God. His back most likely literally ripped to shreds like it had been through a meat grinder. Probably he's in shock from the pain and the blood loss. Imagine your Savior taking this amount of pain all for you. At any time, he could have called 10,000 angels to his rescue to kill everyone there and to rescue him and take him back to heaven. But he didn't. He endured this suffering simply for you. And so imagine Jesus the sinless lamb of God on this scourging post. These guards are beating him as hard as they can with his cat of nine tails. His flesh is being ripped off with every hit. His arteries and his lungs are probably exposed. Imagine the blood loss. Imagine the shock. Imagine the pain. And so when we say Christ suffered, he literally went through more pain than you and I could ever imagine on that scourging post. And he did it. For you and for me. So that we could have everlasting life. Then after the scourging, we see in Matthew 27 what's called the walk of Jesus. 
So we see the scourging of Jesus, then we see the walk of Jesus. After the scourging, the crowd still chanted to crucify him. But before they would go to the crucifixion, they made a crown of thorns and they placed it on the head of Jesus. And so we see in verse 2 of 19, And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And so we often think of this just being... A, a small thorn or a small briar out in, like we have in our backyards today, but that is not the type of thorns that they had in Jerusalem. The type of thorns, I've seen them when I was in Israel. They're, lo- they're, they're about as long as a finger. They're huge thorns. They look like nails, actually. And so they would have taken that and wrapped it into a crown and then not just placed it on the head of Jesus, they would have sat it on the head and then the centurion or the guard that was overseeing the crucifixion and scourging would take his spear and would beat the crown of thorns into the head of Jesus. So not that it's just sitting on his head, but so that these six inch like thorns are piercing through the skull of Jesus. And so imagine his back already being ripped to shreds and now his head is pierced with these huge nail-like thorns and the blood that's pouring down over his face. And then comes the walk of Jesus. And so we go to to Matthew chapter 27, and there we see in the scriptures where Jesus had to walk from the scourging post to Calvary or Golgotha where people would be crucified. It's about a one-mile walk, and the victim would have to carry their own cross all the way to the hill where they were going to be crucified. And so after Jesus has literally been beaten basically to death on the scourging post, he is now required to carry his own cross, which is around 150 pounds. And so if it were to be the whole cross, it would have been over 300 pounds, but they always leave the upright beam on the hill or on Golgotha and just make the victims carry the horizontal beam. Still though, after being beaten like Jesus had been, and now you have to carry a 150 pound wooden beam uphill after losing all of that blood, it would be just about impossible. It would be very difficult. Now I've walked this walk from where they think the scourging post was all the way to Golgotha. It's a long walk and it's a tough walk, especially if you've been through what Jesus had had just been through. And so in Matthew chapter 27, a man by the name of Simon carries the cross of Jesus. And a lot of people depict a picture where Christ tries to carry it and can't. Scripture does not actually paint that picture for us. It just says Simon carries the cross of Jesus. And so now there is some thinking into this. And often if you study Roman rule and the things that took place back then about crucifixions, the person carrying the cross beam is the one that's guilty and it was like confirmation for the city to watch of the guilty prisoner or the guilty criminal going to his death but Jesus was guilty of absolutely nothing and so he did not carry his cross but who did the sinner Simon who was carrying the cross was guilty of sin. The man who was carrying the cross of Jesus was a sinner. And so Jesus was walking behind him, going to pay for the sins of mankind. But Jesus was not carrying through the city his own cross because he was not guilty of sin. He was just going to pay for the sins of mankind. So for one mile, and Jesus followed the sinner carrying his cross up to the hill, up to Calvary. He bled and all the way dropping a trail of blood that would pay for the sins for you and for me. And so listen to me. Look at what all Jesus has already went through 2,000 years ago, all to pay for your sins. 
And some of you might think, well, I'm just not loved in this world, or I have to face so many things that I don't even enjoy, and I don't like going through this, and why do I have to go through this? Does anybody love me? The answer is absolutely yes. Jesus Christ went through literally the worst possible torture in the world, all so that you and I could have forgiveness of sins, all so that you and I could spend eternity with him, so that we can know we're loved and we're saved by the Creator. He loves us with a love that is unexplainable. And so as he walks that walk, I can imagine we're on his mind. Mankind is on his heart. As he's doing this, he's not reviling. He's not fussing. He's not angry at the guards that beat him and scourged him. But yet he's thinking and he's loving on all of mankind, even the ones that beat him, so that they could have a chance to have everlasting life. So after the scourging, after the walk, we see the death of Jesus. This comes the worst part is shame and pain ensues like nothing else that no one has ever experienced. And so remember, Jesus has just been scourged. So his back is literally ripped apart and he is in complete agonizing pain. And now they lay the beam that was carried across that was carried up to the hill. They lay it across the beam that is already at Golgotha. And they strip Jesus again, placing him on this cross, and they stretch forth his hands. They take railroad spike looking nails, and a lot of times we think when we see that they nailed him to the cross, we think of a little nail that we have in our toolbox. That's not what they used. It's a railroad spike looking nail. And so there's a there's a bone in your wrist that splits and they would place this nail inside of that and they would beat it into the wrist of the victim and so there they drive a spike in each wrist nailing Jesus to the cross medical doctors from the Mayo Clinic have studied death by crucifixion and scourging and what they wrote in their report was that down the arm is a nerve it's the it's the nerve when we hit our funny bone and it's and when it, you hit it, we know what it feels like when we hit our funny bone, but when that, that, that nerve gets severed or that nerve gets something punctured through it, it feels like a thousand, 10,000 volts of electricity coursing through your body. And so imagine that happening to Jesus on both sides as both of his hands are nailed to the cross. And so it's literally agonizing and torturing pain that is happening to Jesus in both arms and his back. Then they would bend his knees and his legs and they would cross them and they would nail his feet to the cross as well. He was then lifted up in the air for everyone to look at him and watch his death. But but they already had there in the heel pre-dug holes where they would do crucifixion so often. And so imagine this with me. Jesus' back is ripped apart, his lungs and arteries most likely exposed, 10,000 volts of electricity feeling like it's going through his arms because that nerve has been severed, his legs are nailed to the tree or to the cross, then the cross is lifted up, and then it's dropped into that hole, and imagine the thud as it hits the ground, and imagine, now, when we think of a cross, we think of nice finished wood. We think of stained and painted wood. That's not what they would have used. They would have used splintery wood, wood that is jagged, wood that is rough. And so imagine as it drops into the pre-dug hole there on Golgotha and the back of Jesus has to go up and down on that wood as it skids back and forth as the cross is dropped into the hole. Imagine the pain. Imagine the suffering that's going through own in the life of Jesus and now he's lifted in the air for the community to watch his death 
with a sign hung above his head reading king of the Jews. They had it right. He is king of kings, but they were doing it for mocking. And then death on the cross was not, you did not die from the pain. Most of the time you suffocated because you could not get a breath of air without having to lift yourself up. And so that's what ultimately killed a crucifixion victim was suffocation. And so without being too graphic, imagine the back of Jesus having to slide up the cross. And so what the way they would do it is it's complete torture. They would put your legs as they're crossed so that for you to get a breath of air, you had to lift up on the nail that's driving in between your, in between your feet. You have to lift up on that, push up with all the energy that you have to inhale. Then to exhale, you had to drop yourself back down. And so imagine the back of Jesus already been going through the scourging. He now, just to get a breath of air, has to slide up the splintery wood and then drop himself back down just to exhale. Imagine the pain that Jesus Christ is suffering for you. There on the cross, Jesus Christ was getting all of the wrath and all of the judgment that's due for us, and he was taking it so that we can have everlasting life. There on the cross, he offers the thief beside him everlasting life. Then as the sky grows dark, he asks the Father why he had forsaken him. That was the very moment your sins were being paid for. To Jesus, that was the most painful part of the whole experience was being separated from the Father. We know that in Genesis chapter 3, when mankind sinned, the result of sin was death, but also it was separation from God the Father. And so that's what we deserve. We deserve death, but not just earthly death. We deserve separation from God forever because we are so sinful. But Christ took all judgment and wrath for us on the cross. And for the first time, he had been separated from his father. Then he looks into the sky and with other prophecy being fulfilled, uh, we won't get into in this episode. He says these words, it is is finished. It's verse 30 in John chapter 19. It says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And so he utters the words, it is finished. That is one word in the Greek, which is tetelestai, meaning paid in full. He screams it out that the sin debt for mankind has now been paid in full. And so what he's saying there on the cross to for all of the world to hear and for personally for you and I, is this. It is finished. It's paid in full to Telestai. You say, well, what does that mean for me? That means all of the sin that you have accumulated through your life, all of the sin that you will accumulate in the future, we deserve death and hell because of that sin. That's what we deserve. There's nothing in us righteous. There's not one good thing in us. We deserve death. But Christ on that cross, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he, speaking of God the Father, hath made him, speaking of Jesus the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So on the cross, Jesus was paying a debt, a debt that not any amount of money in the world could pay, not any amount of good works could pay for. He was paying a debt of our sin while he was completely sinless. And so as he's accomplishing that, he screams out the word to Telestai saying, paid in full, saying the sin debt of mankind is paid 
in full. And so now literally when we get saved on our account is stamped in the blood of Jesus, the word to meaning all of our sin, all of our debt has been paid in full and you and I are able to go freely. And on this episode, we don't have time to get into the next chapter, but I'll say this. Friday was dark, but Sunday was on the horizon. And so as Jesus was suffering, as Jesus was dying, as Jesus did die, we looked in last week's episode about his body was physically dead. His body had perished. His spirit was alive. His spirit was proclaiming victory. Then three days later, on Sunday morning, Christ got up from the grave by his own power, conquering death, conquering hell, and giving us victory so that now we can have everlasting life. So there's so much to be said about all of this, but I'll summarize it into this. Christ went through more pain than you and I could ever imagine. He literally gave everything some 2,000 years ago this week and today if you're listening to this podcast on Good Friday. He gave everything. Typically, we just say these words, yeah, Jesus suffered for me. But we don't know to the full extent what Christ went through. But be thankful today, child of God, what he went through for you, that he endured your death. He endured your hell. Listen to me. Christ gave literally everything for you. So the question that's posed to us is, why can't we live for him? He paid for your sins so that you don't have to. He paid for your sins so that you don't have to try to work up a way to pay for them. And so he gave everything on the cross. And he did it so that you could have freedom. So why not today have a new perspective for what Christ went through and start living for him in every aspect of your life? Listen, Christ did not get to the scourging post or get to the crucifixion site and say, you know what, this is more than I signed up for. I'm only going to go halfway for these humans. I can't go all the way. Christ went all the way and paid for every bit of your sin with his own blood. And now he just requires from us to save Christians to preach the gospel, be obedient to him, and live for him. And so often we can't even do that. But look what Jesus went through for us. So I hope through this podcast, it's hopefully instilled in you a humble and a grateful heart that right now on Good Friday is overwhelming with just love and appreciation for what Jesus went through. He suffered more pain than we could ever imagine and I could ever use my vocabulary to describe. And he did it all for you. So today, love him, praise him, share the good news of the gospel with others today, and look forward on Friday to Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate that our Savior, though he died, he did not stay dead. He got up, he rose again, and now he offers the world everlasting life. Hope you have a great Easter weekend. As always, have a great Friday, and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.